Very well done. Thank you, young people. God bless you for that. Open your Bible to Psalm number 37. Psalm 37. And I'd like you to look at one verse. This was an amazing uh, passage we read. It is jam-packed full. This whole chapter is, is definitely a favorite of so many, many, many Christian men and women. And uh, there is really far too much in uh, the first 11 verses to properly uh, expound in one sermon. But I want to direct your attention to verse 4. And keep your seats there, but I'd like you to read out this verse out loud together with me. Psalm 37, verse 4. Read it out loud with me. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Isn't that an amazing promise from God? Amen? Now, everyone has desires. It's human to be, to be uh, uh, having desires. That's, that's part of what makes us human. In fact, um, if we didn't have desires, nothing would ever happen. We wouldn't accomplish very much in the world without desires. And so desires are very important. But we don't always get what we want, do we? Hmm? No, we don't. No. I sure don't get everything I want. I don't know about you. But uh, I think it's uh, pretty true. Um, we don't always get what we want. Now, back in 2014, uh, seems so long ago now, doesn't it? Wow, it's almost 2020. But back in 2014, there was a YouTube posted, and it was hilarious. It showed uh, the dinner table, and it showed these uh, two little girls and their brother, and he's sitting in the middle. And... Um, the little boy just found out that his pregnant mother was going to have a girl. Do you have that picture? Put that up. Now, there he is in the middle. He just found out he's going to have another sister. And this poor little boy had a meltdown. And he raved on and on. And he says, no, it's not fair. And then he, he finished by saying... It's always girls, 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 girls. And the poor little guy, you could look it up when you go home. It's on YouTube. But my wife and I watched it. We laughed and we cried. It was so funny. But here's a little guy that just didn't get what he wanted in life. Huh? And what he wanted was a brother. And what he was going to get was another sister. And, oh, well, that's the age-old story, difference between boys and girls, and, oh, well, anyhow. Okay, put that away. Now, we got this promise in front of us, Psalm 37, 4. Does this mean that God will give us everything we ask him for? Is that what this means? If someone here were to ask God for all of the world's wealth, does that mean they're going to get it? If someone here were to ask God for the ability to fly to the sun... Are they going to get it? Now, common sense tells us no. No, that's not going to happen. And yet, this is a very real, powerful promise from God. So what does it mean? Well, that's why we're here today. We're going to look at this. We're going to examine it and find out what this promise means and, and how we can apply it to our hearts. So let's bow our heads for prayer first. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for the whole Bible. Now today we want to look at just one of your promises. Help us, Lord, to understand this so that we can take proper and full advantage of this wonderful promise you've put in the Bible. Lord, I pray for those here today that may have a heavy heart or who are going through some sort of uh, testing or difficult time or 
as we say, a trial. Lord, I pray that you'd comfort them and give them wisdom, help them to rest their cause into your hands today. Lord, I pray also for those of our church family that can't be here because of sickness, and I pray that you would please lay a healing hand on them. Our Father God, please watch over the whole church family today and help us to grow in faith and love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This promise was written something like 3,000 years ago, and I'm sure that for the last 3,000 years, some people have been reading this promise and then start asking God for things that they're never going to get. And boy, that can, that can be kind of uh, frustrating, and I'm sure some of those people got discouraged, and I'm sure maybe some of those people got upset, maybe like the little boy in the YouTube video, they got upset. I remember um, a man... I think he was in his 40s when I knew him. And this is back in the um, mid-70s when I met him. And I remember talking to him about God, and uh, he had nothing good to say about God. He told me, and I said, why? He told me that there was a time in his life where he was really in trouble, and he cried out to God, and God never answered him. And so then he made a rude gesture, you know, toward the sky. That's what I think of God. And so... Um, the guy's name was Wolfgang. Uh, people called him Wolf. I don't know whatever happened to him, but I sure hope that he found the Lord. Uh, but people are getting disappointed all the time. <clears throat> now, there are a lot of good people who read this verse, and they sit back and they have the question, what does that mean? How does that apply? Well, that's what I want to look at here. Um, I, w I would like us to look at that. And first, I think we need to understand two very important words in this verse. And I'd like you to look at the first one here. In uh, uh, Psalm 37 and verse 4, it's the very first word. It's the word delight, delight. Now, the word delight uh, comes from a, an old Latin word that means to entice away. That's what the word originally meant, to entice away. And we understand it as referring to something that gives much pleasure and joy. Now, if, if someone is going to entice you away, they're going to entice you with something that looks pleasurable and, and something that would make you happy and something you'd want. But that's, that's where the word came from. So the idea of delight is something that gives much pleasure and joy. Now, the second word I'd like you to, to notice here in the verse, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. This is the second word I'd like you to see, desire. And desire comes from a, a word that means to wish upon a star. Now, that, you say, that, that sounds kind of funny. It is. It sounds like a Disney song, I suppose. But that's really the, the etymology, if you will, uh, of the word, uh, to wish upon a star. It means a longing after something that's just out of your reach. You can't get it. That's why they'd say, wish upon a star, because you can't reach it. You can't touch it. You can't jump and grab it. So it's outside of your ability to grasp. But it's something you want. And that's what a desire is. So the first thing is to understand these two words. The word delight uh, means something that gives much pleasure and joy. The word desire means a longing after something wonderful that's just out of your control, just out of your reach. Are you with me so far? Yes? Okay, good. This is important. Um, the next thing is to understand that this wonderful promise 
is based upon us doing something. And the part that we come in, I mean, God's got a part, we got a part. The part that's ours is the beginning of the verse. Delight thyself also in the Lord. This promise was made to men and women who are doing this part, this delighting. And, and I suggest to you today, this is the key to understanding this tremendous promise, what it means. It's to delight. Remember, to uh, something that gives you much joy and pleasure. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, it means that we get much pleasure and joy from being with Him and our close relationship with Him. Now, possibly, you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been born again for a number of years, and possibly in your earlier years you felt closer to God than you have been feeling lately in your Christian life. And if you were to go back in your mind to those first few months or first couple of years when you were first saved, maybe you found much more joy and pleasure, but life gets in the way and things get busy and we get our head down, you know, at work and so on, and before you know it, things become routine. Now, a young couple, when they meet in court and, and, you know, they date and they get married, boy, they ever enjoy being in each other's company. They love to talk to each other on the phone. They, this is back when we used to have landlines. How many remember the landline? All right, that's, that's good enough. Well, you know, um, the, uh, the young lady of the house would, you know, the phone would ring and it's for me, it's for me, out of the way. And she'd grab that thing and, oh, there he is. And she'd be on the phone for hours. And everyone else was saying, come on, hurry up. We want to use the phone. Goes, I'll be, just be patient. And she'd be on the phone there with him. And he'd be on the phone with her. And uh, then when they hung up, then they would go and meet and be together and look into each other's eyes. They get much joy and pleasure from just being together. And after they're married, they still just hold hands and they, they have eyes for only each other and they take long walks and things like that. And they just like being together. Too bad that doesn't last longer than it does. Amen? Uh, seven amens. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes... Um, some, sometimes that happens, yeah. Anyhow, uh, these young people, they delight. That's the idea of the word. They delight. Something that gives much pleasure and joy. They delight themselves in each other. A young married couple or a young couple in love. So, we need to ask this question. How is your relationship with the Lord doing? Are you delighting to be in His presence? How about that? Do you delight yourself in the Lord. You get up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. You get up in the morning and get alone with God and get your Bible and get into your prayer closet and see what God has for you today in the prayer closet and get on your knees or get down on your face and praise Him and thank Him and worship Him. Do you delight? Do you find that that time goes by quickly? All of a sudden, maybe you got a little buzzer set for half an hour or something and the buzzer goes, oh, I got to get up and get ready and go to work or go to school. Oh, but then as you go through the day, you know, you're talking things over with the Lord. Lord, give me wisdom on this. What do you think about this, Lord? Ah, thank you, Lord. And as you're driving, if you're smart, you will pray when you drive in this city. You will become an ardent prayer warrior when you drive through intersections in this city. I tell you, uh, there's a lot of loonies out there and driving around, and they all have a death wish. And so uh, you need to be a prayer warrior when you, when you drive around here. That'll keep you close to God. <laughs> 
You don't need a taxi driver to keep you close to God. This city will do it for you. Uh, so anyhow, the question is, do we love to be with God each hour of the day? Do we derive pleasure and joy from being with God? Because that's what God is saying. This promise is not meant for the backslidden Christian whose nose is up in the air and whose eyes are in the things of the world. This promise here is not meant for unsaved men and women who don't even know God as Savior. This promise is meant for men and women who are born again, who know the Lord as Savior, but who are delighting the themselves in the Lord. So uh, we got to put the question out there to us today. Do we get much pleasure and joy being alone with God? It's to these people that God makes this promise to give them the desires of their heart. If you're here today and you're saying, oh man, that rules me out. Well, maybe it does, but you can get back in the game. Maybe there was a time you used to love God more than you have been lately. You can change all this. I mean, it's not chiseled in stone. Yeah, the devil may be winning for the last few weeks or few months or something, but listen, you can get back on your feet. You can. The you know, the steps of a, a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way, and though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him in his hands. And a righteous man falleth seven times and riseth up again. And if you're here today and you love the Lord, but you just haven't been loving him like you, you should or like you used to, you can get back at it. And this promise will apply to you. It's very true. So what we're saying is this. If God made this promise to those who derive much pleasure and joy from being with God, what we're saying is this. You can't worship God from a distance. Does that make sense? It can't be done. You cannot worship God from a distance. You must be close to God. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you want to smell the incense that emanates from the shops of the sellers in the narrow streets of the old part of the city of Jerusalem, you've got to be in Jerusalem to do it. If you want to taste the fresh fruits sold daily by the owners of the little food stores located in the old part of the city of Jerusalem, then you must be there in Jerusalem to do it. If you want to touch and handle the gorgeous cloths and linens that, that hang upon the walls of the small merchant shops located in the old part of the city of Jerusalem, you must be in Jerusalem. You cannot experience those things while you're still here in Canada. You have to physically be in the old part of the city of Jerusalem to experience those things. That's, that's the illustration. You cannot experience the moon while you're still on earth. You cannot worship God from a distance. Yesterday's devotions and Bible reading and prayer were good for yesterday, but they're no good for today. You've got to get fresh manna. You've got to get fresh oil. You've got to get a new experience with God today. And listen, it makes all the sense in the world. Two young people, him and her, and they meet and they have eyes and they have that lovey turtle dove experience with each other, you know. And, uh, boy, that's great. And then he says, okay, well, I'll see you around someday. And he takes off. Wow, what kind of a, you know, a beginning is this? No, no, no. Will you call me sometime? Oh, if I think of it. And yet how many Christians 
God had mercy on their soul, forgave their sin, washed them in the blood of the Lamb, wrote their name up in the Lamb's book of life, began construction on a mansion for them in heaven. And then they turn around and they say, well, thanks very much. That was great. I'm on my way to do my thing. And it's like the Holy Spirit says, well, will, will we ever see you again? Oh, yeah, from time to time. You never know. And what kind of a relationship is that? Certainly isn't one that takes great joy in being with God. To really know God is to love him because the Bible says God is love. Anything you want to know about true love, you can learn from God. In fact, you'll learn that and a whole lot more. God has so much he wants to teach you, so much he wants to show you, so much he wants to do for you. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. But the first step is ours. We need to delight ourselves in him. And that's only going to happen when we spend time. Take some of that time away from the TV. Take some of that time away from sports. Take some of that time away from any kind of hobby or anything else and, and plow it into your, your experience with God. And boy, you'll rich, richly you'll reap dividends. God says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You cannot be close to the world and close to God at the same time. If you're here today and you're thinking, oh, my heart's kind of cold, what happened? Oh, the Bible used to be more exciting. Church services used to be more thrilling. What happened? Must be something wrong with the Bible. Must be something wrong with those church services. The, the preaching, I used to get more out of it. Must be something wrong with the preaching. No. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. There's nothing wrong with the Bible. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. Nothing wrong with the Holy Spirit. Hey, the church isn't perfect, but I'll lay you odds. The blame is not to be laid at the feet of the church. The church works hard in serving the Lord and doing the ministries of the Lord. That hasn't changed. What may well have happened is you just got your eyes off the Lord and, oh, look at this in the world. Oh, look at that. Oh, is that ever interesting? And before you know it, it doesn't take long. Before you know it, the heart starts growing cool, sometimes pretty cold, too. They say we had our coldest day uh, of the year around here. Anyhow, I think it was last night. Does anyone hear, else hear that? Was it last night or yesterday? Anyhow, it was down to something unheard of. It was a minus 10 or something like that. You know, those... Um, those uh, polar bears, eh? they'd be sunbathing in this weather. Wow, is it ever warm here? Uh, for us, we're frozen to death, you know, minus 10. Three flakes of snow, and we close all the schools. Uh, boy, we, uh, we, don't, we don't know what, what real cold is. How many have come from a part of the world where it would be 40 degrees below zero? Anyone? One, two, three, four. Five, six. Anyone over here? Okay. 40 degrees below is pretty cold. You get in your car if the door will open, if the key will turn in the lock, and you get in, bang, and you shut the door. Sometimes it doesn't even lock because the mechanism is frozen open by that point. You put your key in the ignition, and your car talks. You turn the key, and the car says, Leave me alone. Oh, 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 oh. That's 40 below. 
And it's even worse. There's even parts in the world where it gets to 60 below. Uh, we think we got it tough, don't we? But anyhow, we get our eyes off the Lord and it won't take long before our hearts begin to cool. If your heart is not warm, yea, hot for God, then it's cool. Isn't that right? Well, you can't be close to the world and close to God at the same time. You must make a choice. You made the choice to move away from God. Then make the choice to move back to God. You'll never be happy and satisfied until you get back with your heavenly father. Get back to your family, the family of God, the father who loves you and gave his son for you. You'll never be satisfied no matter how many promotions or how many hockey games you win or how many sports pools or how many donuts you eat if you're a true Canadian. You'll never be happy with anything until you get back to where you need to be. You've got a hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. Nothing else can fill that hole. And so what I'm saying is this. There's a promise here, a wonderful promise. And it's a great way to live your life too. But it begins with us. Our part, God's part. Our part, God's part. Did you know you cannot do God's part? Did you know that? You cannot do God's part. And did you know God will not do your part? He will not do what you need to do. And you cannot do what only he can do. So do your part. He does his part. Let's do our part. What is our part? It's to learn to delight ourselves in the Lord. I don't know how. I wish I knew how. Oh, you know how. You know how. You get alone with God in the Bible and you cry out to him. Say, Lord, I don't know how. That's how you do it. <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but you tell God. You admit to him your weakness, your helplessness. You say, I don't know how to do this. Lord, help me. And you'll find the Holy Spirit will start directing you. And he'll put thoughts in your heart and he'll guide you. Have the Bible with you because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you cannot grow in your relationship without the Bible. God has arranged it. You need both the living word, Jesus, and the written word, the Bible. You need them both. They work together in tandem to help you. That's how God has designed it. So you must decide. You cannot delight yourself in God without spending time alone with him in your prayer closet. Now, for those who have no prayer closet, there may be someone here today who doesn't even know what a prayer closet is. What we mean by the, the term prayer closet is just a time alone with God. That's all we're saying. We're not suggesting you go down to Home Depot and buy a load of lumber and build a, you know, in a saw, and bang, bang the nails and everything and build some little shack. We're suggesting that you get alone with God somewhere in your home. And you say, well, my home is small and it's crowded with a lot of people. Well, then tell them, listen, I need to spend time with God. I'm going to be under the blanket in this corner here, so please don't disturb me. There's your prayer closet, okay? Maybe you might want to go and use your car or something like that. But get alone with God. Take your Bible with you and read a few chapters of the Word of God. Go to the book of Psalms. That'll really minister to your heart. And then get on your knees or get on your face and begin to pour out your heart before God. And it won't take long. It won't take long. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people, maybe even some here today, are happily married, but how did it begin? Oh, it began because you looked up and you saw her and she looked at you and you looked away. And then uh, she looked away and you looked to see if she was looking. And then she looked again and you looked away. And there are maybe married people here today and that's how you began. And then finally, you know, you, you took your life in your hands and you said, hi. Hi. 
How are you? Fine. So far, so good. Hmm? What's your name? What's your name? I asked you first. And that's how some happily married people began. And that's how you may have to begin in the prayer closet. But you can do it, and the Holy Spirit will help you. That's what he's there for. He really will. If you have no prayer closet, decide today. Make a decision today. Come on our invitation today and get on your knees and say, Lord, I don't have a prayer closet, but I am going to make a prayer closet, and I'm going to spend time with you, Lord, every day. For those of you here today that do have a prayer closet, and you do have a little corner in your home that you get alone with God, maybe it's in your bedroom or maybe down in the, the, the basement behind the furnace or someplace that you go to with your Bible and a little chair maybe and get on your knees, you have a prayer closet. Make a decision today to deepen your experience with God in your prayer closet. Just because you have a prayer closet doesn't mean you've reached the end. It's like two people. Now they're married. Well, I guess that's it. No, the marriage deepens. Hey, let's grow old together. Let's learn about each other. And two married people can really go far in a relationship. And the more years you're married, the, more, the deeper you can go if you do it right. And obviously, so much more with the Lord. So decide today you will increase and deepen your experience with God in your prayer closet. We're talking here about a promise that God makes you. Delight thyself in the Lord. And the word delight means to, to get much joy from being in his company. Doing this will greatly increase your love and your delight in your wonderful God and Savior. So, listen now. If we do this, if we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord then how is it that God will give us the desires of our hearts? And that is a good question, and the answer is two ways. God will give you the desires of your heart in two ways, probably both ways. Number one, God will put the proper desires into our hearts. God will give you the desires. He will put them into your heart. This is the first way that God gives us our desires. If we are delighting ourselves in the Lord, then we're going to be growing. We're going to be becoming more like Jesus. And he will put the right desires in our heart. Now, you're going to need a little bookmark of some sort. So find yourself a, maybe the, the bulletin from today or a little bookmark. And I want you to put it there, if you would, please, because we're coming back. We're going we're gonna to go away for a minute, and we're coming back to Psalm 37. I want you to turn to the New Testament, and I want you to go past the Gospels, the four Gospels, past the book of Acts, and I want you to get the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be looking at a few verses here in the New Testament that will help us all. So, um, Romans chapter 12. These uh, first two verses are so powerful, so important. Many Christians have made them their life verses. So I'd like if you could read them out loud with me. Would you do that, please? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In order to know the perfect will of God and the desires that he puts in our hearts, we need to give ourselves to him. Now turn to the right. Uh, you'll go past First and Second Corinthians and then Galatians, then Ephesians, chapter 5 is where I'd like you to go to. Chapter 5 of Ephesians. You see, as we're growing and becoming more like Jesus Christ, God will put these desires in our hearts for us. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. Let's read that out loud together. Verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So here we read that we're to give ourselves to the Lord, we're to learn to love him, do our part. He will help us to grow like Jesus. He'll put the desires into our hearts. As we become more like Jesus, God will do this for us. Someone might say, well, what are some of these desires that he will put in our hearts. We can see a little bit of that in Philippians, just about three pages to the right. Turn there, would you please? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. This definitely connects with the desires that God wants to put in your heart. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 8. I'll read you, follow along. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, that means excellence, by the way, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And this verse will definitely steer us in the right direction. Now, someone might ask, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What about my desire to become rich? I didn't see that in the list here. Uh, what about that one? Well, the question is, who put that desire in your heart? How'd that get in there? Is it in there? Yup, it's in there. You sure? Oh, yeah, it's been in there for years. I definitely have a desire to be rich. No question about it. I spend a portion of my weekly income on lotto tickets. That proves I have a desire to be rich. So, what about that one? Is God going to give me that desire? Well, we need to wonder how that got in there and who put it in there. Did God put that desire in your heart? Now, I know this sounds a little funny, but it's really very serious, and it's something we have to honestly look at. How did that desire get in there? Did God put that desire to be rich in our hearts? Because if he did then we have a problem because God wrote in the Bible in 1 Timothy 6, 9, he says, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So if God put that desire to be rich in your heart, then there's a conflict here because that God wrote those that will be rich are in for trouble. And then also in Proverbs 23, verse 4, God wrote, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. So if you find you have a desire in your heart to be rich, did God put it there? Well, maybe he didn't. All right, well, what do you do? We'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe what we need to do is ask the Lord to purify the desires in our hearts. Not everything in our hearts is of the Lord. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. And do you know the word? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
And the next Bible verse says, I, the Lord, try the hearts. And so maybe we need to ask God to purify the desires in our heart because it's quite probable that you have a desire in your heart that God didn't put there. A desire that's in there that could cause you some problems. You know, I've done a lot of marriage counseling over, over the years. I'm almost 40 years in ministry now. I know I don't even look 40 years old. I know that. But I'm almost 40 years in, in ministry, and I've done a lot of marriage counsel. And I've found that where the marriage has really run on the rocks and they've just, you know, exploded, you know, and there's anger and tears and all that stuff, it's normally because there's some desire in the heart that shouldn't be there. Someone's got a desire that's really crippling them and hurting their relationship. Now, what if someone here today had fleshly desires, worldly desires, or sensual desires? Could God be expected to fulfill those desires? And uh, the answer is obviously not. And so we're saying, uh, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, how is it that God will give us the desires of our heart? Well, the first way is God will put the proper desires in our heart. And the second way, the second way uh, is that God will fulfill these proper desires. Because there's something you have to see back in Matthew. I want you to see it. If you go to back a few pages there to the Gospel of Matthew, if you get the Genesis, you've gone too far. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, this is part of the Sermon on the, the Mount, you know, verse 7, ask and it shall be given you, right? When we get down to verse 11, and Jesus said, if ye then, being evil, Jesus just called us evil. Now, what does that mean? Evil means a, uh, a purpose to tear something apart, an intent to tear something down, tear something apart. Now, listen, before you go saying, well, that's not me, that is you. That's all of us. We do that with our words. We do that. Parents do that with their children. Children do that with their parents. They tear one another down with their words. Uh, married people who made vows to love and honor tear one another down with their words. It happens at schools, it happens at work, and it even happens in churches, wherever there are people, because there is an im proper desire within us to tear down. And Jesus basically told us the truth. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. Now take your pencil, underline these words. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? It is the will of God to give you good things. You see, the truth is, uh, God's promise to meet our needs in Philippians 4.19, but not our greeds. Every one of us have needs and every one of us have greeds. You know, we think one is good, two is better. Not always, folks. Not always. Sometimes uh, one of our worst problems is greed. They say that there are three uh, of the biggest problems that uh, humans face. Maybe men more than women, I don't know. But uh, one of them is laziness. Uh, another one is um, sexual impurity. And another one is greed. And these three vices tear more people down, destroy more churches, destroy more marriages than anything I've ever seen. 
It's unbelievable what these three improper desires can do. Uh, don't ever let them out of, the, out of the box. Never, ever let them out. Keep them in there with God's power. God has promised to meet our needs, but not our greeds. And sometimes we get confused and we say, but I need it, I need it, I need it. And we don't really need it at all. As we grow spiritually, we become more like Jesus. We start learning more and more from the Bible that God is so much smarter than us. As we get older, we start realizing all the mistakes we did in our younger years. We look back and say, man, I wish I could go back and start my life or start half my life over again. Boy, I wouldn't make this mistake. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have bought this. I wouldn't have sold that. I made so many mistakes in life. And that is so common to everyone everywhere because we just don't know. But our Father knows. Our Heavenly Father knows. He knows the mistakes that we could make. And God is so loving us and so desirous to help us to make good decisions. And he wants to give us good things. And that's what Jesus said. How much more shall your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask them? A little boy, a little child may look up at his mother uh, in the kitchen and she's chopping away at the vegetables with his great big razor sharp knife. And he says, I want it, I want it, I want to play with it. Give it to me, I want it, I want it. Well, there's a situation. Does the mother give him the razor-sharp knife? Oh, sure, son. I would never deny you, you know, the, the joy and the pleasure of playing with this razor-sharp knife. That boy will kill himself. Uh, in the news today, I saw that a little boy in Florida accidentally shot and killed himself with a gun in the home. Last week, the week before, I saw a little boy in Florida took a gun and I think it was a four-year-old boy accidentally shot his mother through the face. Accidents, accidents. They say accidents are just a word until it happens. Boy, then it's more than just a word, isn't it? And so the, the wise mother will not give the little boy this razor-sharp knife. Sometimes we want things from God and we don't realize that they'll cause us harm. Our Heavenly Father knows what will help us and what will hinder us. He knows, and he'll give us good things. Now, uh, God's job is to know what to give. Our job is to grow spiritually and do his will. Now, this is interesting. Listen very carefully. As we grow, we sometimes find that the things that we once thought we must have, we can't live without. Later, we found we could have done just nicely without them. And uh, this allows us to come to a new level of living. It's called contentment. In Hebrews 13:5, it says, Be content with such things as ye have. Be content. He's promised to never leave thee nor forsake thee. Many of us here today, and myself included, big time, I'm probably on the top of the list, I wish I had not invested in certain things. I wish I had not purchased certain things. But we wanted them, and we thought we need them, and we even begged God for them. And they say, what's worse than wanting something you shouldn't have? What's worse? Getting it. Like the lotto. You know, the lotto destroys far, 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 far more people than it builds. The lotto is deceptive. People think, oh, if only we could win the lotto. Oh, all our problems will be over. <laughs> uh, uh, the world even would say two words, grow up. 
Because as soon as you win the lotto, you are the target of every crook, every miserable relative that you didn't know you had. They will not leave you alone. It's like the paparazzi. They will not leave you alone. You will not live happily ever after. And that money will become a source of, of a curse. And so many, many people, after having won the lotto and it destroyed their lives, destroyed their marriage, they said, oh, I wish I'd never won that thing. Huh? Well, not here to preach about the lotto. You've heard me do that before. Well, then how did we get these things? You know, if God didn't give me these things, how did we get them? Well, we probably didn't pray enough. We probably pushed too hard. Now, I want you to go back to Psalm 37. Would you do that, please? You've got your bookmark there. We're just about done. We're, we're actually um, in, in time there with the, uh, the, the normal length of the message, but just we had extra activities today, so we're, we've gone a few minutes over. But bear with me. We're just about there. Look at it again. Psalm 37, verse 4. Read it out loud with me, please. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. This is an amazing promise from God from start to finish. It'll change our lives as we grow in our relationship with God, as we learn to delight in him. The more you learn about God, the more you'll love him, the more you'll appreciate him. And there'll be a great sense of pleasure and joy just being with God. And the more that happens, then he will put proper desires in our hearts and he will fulfill those desires in his timing. You see, I want you to see verse 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, that's hard for a lot of people. I want it and I want it now. It has to happen. It has to happen now. Oh, if it doesn't happen by Tuesday, oh, I'm dead in the water. It must happen. You know, that's a pretty tough way to live. Stress and worry and biting your fingernails and always looking at the clock and saying, oh, it's getting closer to the, you know, D-Day or the witching hour, what do they call it, you know, and the bomb drops or something. I'm going to die if this doesn't happen. Oh, please, what's wrong with God? What's he doing? Doesn't he know? All the accusations start coming out toward God. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. You and I can afford to be patient and wait upon the Lord uh, and not be in a hurry to get rich, I'll tell you that. The Lord has promised to meet all our needs. He will prosper us on earth according to his perfect plan. And his perfect plan is perfect, folks. You can exchange the stress and turmoil of your life today, which God never intended for you to have. All of the turmoil and the worrying about what's going to happen. You can exchange all of that today with that one verse. This is so precious. Look over here on the wall. You will never be able to serve the Lord, and particularly with all humility of mind, if you're all tied up in knots and worrying, you've got your desires and you're, you know, you're just kind of in the throes of things and you're thrashing about, there's no way to live. God never designed for us to live that way. God designed for us to have peace like a river. God designed for us to have stability and joy and it comes as we draw close to God and then God will put the right desires in our heart. You know, in, instead of, instead of uh, uh, trying to live in, for the, this world and what this world has to offer, 
Let's concentrate on living for Jesus Christ and let's let him lift us up because that's his promise. Jeremiah 45, 5, Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. Isaiah 40, verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And those men and women are delighting themselves in the Lord. Boy, it's a great way to live your life. Let's all stand for prayer. I think we're, we're done here. Folks, it's time for us to pray. It's time for us to seek the Lord. I want you to know again how much God loves you today. And he loves you over and over and over. You know what? If God had to do it all over again, he would. If God had to save your soul, he would do it again. He loves you that much. And he knows what he's getting himself into, but he loves you that much. He loves you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. And it hurts God when he sees us pushing so hard and maybe even praying for things that he knows will only harm us. And so today, I have a suggestion for you, if you'll take it. You come on the invitation, and you put all of your desires on the altar today. All of the desires you think are good, all of the desires you think are bad. Put everything, everything on the altar today, and then ask the Lord to give you back the desires he wants you to have. Give all of your desires over to the Lord and pray, Lord, put in my heart the desires you want me to have. That's a great way to live your life. Do that today. And if you're here today and you don't know God as your father and the family of God is something a little foreign to you, but you feel that's something you want, you have a desire to go to heaven when you die. You have a desire to have God as your father. You can... You can have that today if you'll call out to him by faith in prayer. Now let's pray.